are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, uh, God's promises are reliable. You can trust God. Amen? The Bible is a book of promises, not of men or women's uh, making, but it is God's promises. A promise is a commitment by someone to do or not to do something. But it's rooted in the character and the reliability of the promiser. The promise is only as good as the one who makes the promise. And uh, today we don't trust the promises that are made too, mu too much, do we? Because our experience tells us that the promise is usually couched in pleasant terms uh, of false assurance. We have been burned by promises. We have been hurt by promises. We have been crushed by promises. We have become this disillusioned with promises. So we just don't believe any promise anymore. Because it seems that no one tells the truth. But the Bible makes an astounding statement. We have a picture in John 17 where Jesus is praying to the Father. And he's praying for his disciples because he soon will be leaving them. And he's praying for everyone who will believe on his name because of their faith in him. And that filters right down through the ages to you and I. And he says in John 17, verse 17, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's promises are truth, not lies. It is absolutely impossible for God to lie. What God says, he will do. We will never be disappointed in the promises of God. We will never be let down with the promises of God. Anytime we feel disappointment, we know that we're not walking in, in the spirit, we're walking in the flesh. We're going by our feelings, and your feelings will let you down any time of the day. But God will never let you down. His promises are reliable. The promises of God always come to pass when believed in faith. We can always trust God, God's promise for they come from the heart of God. God's promises are his will for our lives. It's what God desires for us. And so he promises those things. And it is up to us to grasp those promises. There is a hymn we used to sing many, many years ago. And it's called God's Promises Are True. And it says, For God loved this sinful world, his son he freely gave. That whosoever would believe, eternal life should have. Tis true, oh yes, tis true. God's wonderful promise is true. For I've trusted and tested and tried. And I know God's promise is true. And the verses go on to say, I was a wayward wandering child, a slave to sin and fear. Until this blessed promise fell like music on my ear. At the whosoever of the Lord I trusted was for me. I took him at his gracious word 
From sin, he set me free. Eternal life began below. Now fills my heart and soul. I sing his praise forevermore, who has redeemed my soul. Tis true, oh yes, tis true. God's wonderful promise is true. I've trusted and tested and tried it, and I know, I know, I know that I know that I know, I know in my knower that God's promises is true. I've tested it. I've found it out over and over and over again. God never lets you down. Amen? You got to believe him. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, a Roman soldier. A centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. As you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Great faith is reliance on the word of God apart from natural circumstances. The centurion expressed his need. And Jesus responded, I will come and heal him. For most of us, that would be great. Oh, goody, Jesus is coming to my house today. He's going to come. He actually said he will come and heal my servant. The centurion answer demonstrated his faith. Lord, I'm not willing that you would come into my house. I am also, he said, a man of authority. He understood authority. But he recognized in Jesus a higher authority than he had. But he said, I can say to my men, do this, do that, and they'll do it. I can say, come, and they'll come. Whatever I need, when I say the word, it's done. All you have to do, Jesus, is say the word, and my servant is healed. And Jesus said, I haven't seen that kind of faith in all Israel. That's the kind of faith, folks, he's looking for. People who will look into the word, see it, believe it, stand upon it, and receive it. Amen? He began. Being a man of authority, he recognized a greater authority in Jesus. And this same authority has been given to you and I, folks. All of these promises are for our good. Everything that God has packed between the pages of his word is for our good. It's for us. It's so that we may prosper, be in health, so that we may experience the joy and the, and, and the blessing of everything that he has given us. You can start off in a married life and, and just be so overjoyed with each other. And this is the blessing that God has intended for you. But then as the cares of life come upon you, you begin to stray away from that word and you go your own way. You go the way of the world and you try everything else. You leave God's word out and one day you got to come to a counselor somewhere and say, Give us, help us, we're in trouble. And the, the key to your success, the key to your, your good blessings is found in the word of God. 
And if you will study the Word of God, you will find in there the answer to every question you could ever have. The words you speak are important because your words indicate your faith. Jesus recognized the words of the centurion and he said, that's great faith. Great faith is simply believing God's word and acting upon it. And sometimes we make it look like faith. Look to some people, well, they got, they got some special kind of faith that I don't have. Hogwash. Everybody has the same faith. All you got to do is exercise it. Your faith is based upon the word of God. If you'll get into the word of God, if you will believe it, you will receive it. But you've got to start doing what the Word of God says. It's no good to have a Bible and not use it. You've got to get into it. You've got to study it. And once won't do. I have studied the Bible over the years now, 30 years in ministry and long before that. And, and uh, I've read the Bible through many times. And I've studied it and I'm studying it on a daily basis. And you know something? What I studied 20 years ago is no good for me now. What I read, I read the Bible sometimes through twice in one year, but that's no good to me now. I need fresh manna. I need fresh food for my soul every day. And folks, we're not doing ourselves any service when we neglect the Word of God. It seems like you're getting away with it for a long, long time. But soon it will catch up with you. And when it do, the old devil won't spare you. I can tell you that right now. Okay, I got to skip some things because the way I'm going here, I'll be all day. <laughs> we, we can rely on God to keep his promises. Okay? We can rely on him to keep his promises. It is essential that we learn to trust him. God is faithful and true in everything that he says and does. So you can count on the promises of God to be absolutely trustworthy. If you don't hear anything else today, you're going to hear ringing in your ears all next week, the promises of God are reliable. You can trust God. Amen? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus is another song that we used to sing way back. And it's, it says like this, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to lean upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I proved you, or and or, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all oh, for grace to trust you more. Peter said in Second Peter 1 and 4, he has given us his very great and precious promises. They're great and precious, and they have been given to us. Amen? Amen. Se uh, in 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, Paul says, For all the promises of God in him, that is in Jesus, are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Amen? Every time we dare to believe in one of the promises, hold on to one of those promises, when those promises come true in our life, it brings glory to God. He gets glory through us just simply because you and I are believing in his word. We need to, there are no broken promises with God. Not one. We need to take God at his word. Numbers uh, 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should repent. He has said, has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? And of course, the answer is yes. He will do exactly what he says in his word. He will do it exactly that. And yes, he will make it good. You can trust God to fulfill his promise. Isaiah, the prophet, in Isaiah 55 and 11, says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, 
but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I don't know about you, but that's good news. That's good news, folks. And so, secondly, we must meet the conditions to receive the promise. Yeah, you heard me right. You must meet the conditions to receive the promise. The promises come with conditions, and they're not in small print. Okay? The promises come with conditions. Malachi, let's take, for instance, the, the, the promise of an open heaven blessing. Okay? This is a powerful promise. Some people don't like it, but, uh, but I like blessings. I like blessings. And I've been, I've been living on those promises for all my life. In fact, well, I don't know what you call it now, but when I was a little boy, uh, when Newfoundland joined Confederation, we got a thing called family allowance. <laughs> family allowance. And my mom would take 10% of what came to each child and gave us, and that was our 10th, and we put that in the offering every Sunday. So from the time, from Confederation on, at least, I remember that I was, I, I've been tithing. <coughs> Amen. So here is the promise for open heaven blessing. Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that you will not have be, there will not be room enough to receive it. Amen? Okay. So that's the condition. That's the condition. All right? It's very clear, very plain. It's not hard to say. Someone say, oh, that's the law. No, it's not. No, <laughs> it's not the law. Amen? And, and, and if you want to be really scriptural, if you want to be really scriptural, if you're going to be legalistic about it, then you're going to be giving more on the New Testament than they were giving in the, in the Old Testament. Okay? So anyway, but that's not the point of my message today. Uh, the condition is a step of faith and obedience to His Word. And that's our responsibility. We do our part, and God will do His. We must continue to walk in faith and obedience. It's not a one-time action. Every day I get up, I choose to what I'm going to do. I choose whether or not I'm going to follow God. I choose whether I'm going to cheat. I'm, I choose whether I'm going to steal. I choose whether I'm going to be a godly man today. That's a choice everyone has made. And God don't twist their arm and say, you've got to do anything. So we continue to walk in faith and obedience. Don't look back. Just keep pressing on. The same is true for every promise blessing in the Bible. Now, take for instance salvation. Now we know that salvation is free. Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins, right? But did you know that there's a, that there's a condition? There is a condition. Let me read it to you. For by grace we are saved through faith, Ephesians 2.8, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so you look at that and you say, well, it's all free. Where's the condition? Okay, Romans chapter 10, verse 8 and verse 13. 8 to 10, 8, verse uh, 8 to 10, 10, verse 8 to 10 and 13. So uh, let's go 8 first. But what does the scripture say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a condition. That's a condition. Jesus died on the cross, but if you never confess, if you never confess that you're a sinner, if you never receive what Jesus did on the cross for your sins, you cannot be saved. You've got to believe that, folks. It's a condition. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. That's why when I ask people, anyone who wants to receive Jesus Christ this morning, and we pray a sinner's prayer with you, and uh, that's why I mention in there, Lord, your word says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I'm calling now. Praying is calling upon the Lord's name, you see. So there are basically three conditions to receiving salvation. Confess, believe, and accept. Receive. Now, after these conditions, there comes a walk of faith and obedience. You don't just say a sinner's prayer and everything is business as usual. You don't do the same old things you used to do. Amen? There's a change that takes place. There's a spiritual new birth that takes place in your life. A daily choice to continue in your faith walk. Jesus, our example, demonstrated an attitude and a lifestyle of obedience. The principle by which he lived his entire life was obedience. And he's our example. We, as his body, must live by this same principle. If we're ever going to accomplish anything in this life for God, as spirit-filled believers, we must walk and live in obedience to his word. You want to claim the promises? Then Isaiah 1.19 says, If you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. God be willing and obedient to experience the blessings, okay? There is more to being a Christian than saying the sinner's prayer. There is a new life to be lived. Anyone that is in Christ, the Bible says, is a new creation. Now, from now on, you will live by the word. That's your manual for life. That's the manual you'll use to have success in your life, for making life decisions, choosing a life partner, raising your family, choosing your career, financial guidance, healing, the perfect will of God, and on and on and on. Everything you can think about that you need in life, the manual spells it out. And it's been inspired by God, so it's not hard to understand. You know, you buy a product, you take it home, and you get out the instructions. And you, you feel that you could have done a better job. You could have written the instructions for them. In 10 minutes, that would be clearer than what they've given you. Not so with the Bible. The Bible is the inspired word of God. God ensured that the the men who wrote those 66 books did it exactly in a way that a little child can understand. Uh, You know that that wasn't in my notes because I got to look and see where I was at. So it's good for making life decisions. It's important to get to know God. And the only way you're going to get to know God is in his word. His word reveals him perfectly. Everything you need to know about the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is described in the word. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight or not by feelings. Okay? We need to get acquainted with him through the word. You won't know very much about him through personal feelings. Okay? Faith is based upon God's word, not your feelings. Now, don't get me wrong, feelings is good. 
Most of us newfies are very emotional people. We've, those of us who've been living, you know, like me for over 30 years in, in Alberta, we've been desensitized now. We're, we're, we're like you, you guys. <laughs> but <laughs> feelings are good. Emotions tell a lot about your present state of mind whether you're happy, whether you're sad, all of these things. They're a good indication of when you need correction, when and if you need correction. But don't evaluate God's reliability by, by, by how you feel. If you do that, you're going to be in trouble. God will never lie. God will never deceive. God will never mislead you. And God will not change his mind. His word is forever settled in heaven. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to look out over his world one day and say, well, those people, they're so modern now and they're so sophisticated. I think I'm going to change some of those words. Never. It's forever settled in heaven. He said, not one jot, not one tittle will pass away till all things be fulfilled. So, thirdly, the believer's assurance concerning the promise. <clears throat> the amazing grace of God positions us for blessing. Just the simple grace of God. God's favor. Unmerited favor. None of us are in here because we deserve to be today in our own self. The Bible says our, our righteousness, self-righteousness, is like filthy rags. Amen? But we, when we believed in Jesus Christ, received him into our life as our Savior, something took place spiritually. We had a spiritual new birth. Amen? And that changed a whole lot of things in our lives. The word of God is spirit and, in, and truth. The born-again experience is a spiritual new birth. The body didn't get born again. Amen? You didn't get born again in your mind. You got born again in your spirit. Okay? If anyone be in Christ, is a new creation. Your spirit is born again. It's the born-again you. The word will renew your mind. You get the Word of God down in your heart, it'll start changing your mind, your attitude, the way you think, the way you do things. Prayer will help you to express your feelings and your questions and help you to communicate with God. After a while, after a while, the body will begin to show the effects of this new creation. When you go on the job, people will wonder, well, why don't you come to parties with us? Well, I don't go to parties because I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. Why? Well, I'm a born-again believer now. I really don't do it because I don't want to do it. I'm free from that stuff. I don't want to do that. I'm tired of talking about the things that I did the night before that someone else usually had to remind me of what I did and what I said. Sitting at the stage head, that's a little pier in Newfoundland where we tied up our boats, eating raw fish because somebody told me, Salt fish, raw salt fish, because somebody told me that's good for hangovers. <laughs> and throwing up everything that I ate. And sometimes it seems like something I didn't eat. I don't do that anymore. That's not fun. I'm enjoying life every day. I've got a happy home. I've got children that love me. 
I've got a wife that loves me. And I credit it all to the fact that I looked into the Word when I was a young man and I began to read the Word and I began to study the Word and I began to live by the Word and the Word has seen me through right to this very moment. And I can testify that God's promises are true. God's promises are reliable. And if you're here today and you've made a mess of your life, it's not too late for you. God can heal the broken heart. God can heal the wounded spirit. God can heal situations that there seems to be no, nothing, no way that any man can do anything about it. God can. God can. And the sun can shine in your life. Things may be happening in your life right now, and you don't know where to turn. Life is not worth living. But I want you to know, if you will look to the Word of God, there you will find hope. There you will find the answer to your problems. It's not found in the bottle. It's not found in the drug. It's not found in anything outside of the Word of God. So after a while, you begin to look and smell like a born-again Christian. You'll have the fragrance of Jesus in your life. Amen? Amen? As a follower of Christ and a student of the Word, we soon discover that we need to exercise the same faith for every promised blessing. It's the same faith as when we said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's not a different kind of faith. I want you to understand that today, folks. It's that measure of faith that God gave you. And the more you exercise that faith, the stronger that faith will become. And the more you'll be able to receive from the hand of God because he has promised. Well, we're getting there. I think Ernie gave me a little bit more time than usual, right? Yeah, there you go. I know there's something wrong. Or either that clock is that clock is wrong or something. Now, oh, amen! Praise the Lord! We're in good form. It uh, it works for forgiveness. It works for repentance. It works for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Everything, faith. So let's not try to make it make it complicated. Let's not try to make it complicated. It's faith. And great faith is believing God. The man who said to Jesus, I'm not worthy to come under your roof. You just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, now that's great faith. Amen. Believe it and receive it. So, but it's easy to walk in doubt and fear. Let's not kid anybody. Man, you can be shouting glory today and you'll be looking for up at your shoe leather. Amen? Walking in faith and in the Spirit is a better way. That's the way to go. Now, Jesus, after his resurrection, used Thomas as an illustration of this. Thomas called a twin, John chapter 20, verse 24 to 29. John, uh, now Thomas called a twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. This is after, after his resurrection now. And so he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of his nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the door being shut, and stood in the midst of them, and said, Peace to you. And he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put your hand in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. 
But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And folks, that's faith. Okay? If I don't need, I don't need someone to dig up some more evidence that Jesus was on earth over 2,000 years ago. I'm in communication with him every day. I know him. And to know him is to love him. I experience his presence. Amen? But Thomas based his faith upon his feelings, upon what his physical senses told him. He relied on what he could see and touch and not what God had to say. Real faith in God is based upon the word of God. Real faith says, if God said it, then I believe it. Real real faith says, if it's in the Bible, then it's truth. And I choose to believe truth. And when you get into the word, it won't take very long before you will be able to detect when somebody that is holding the word of God and just speaking the word of God and, you, and they think, you think, you know, like they've got a lot of letters after their name and everything and, uh, and they read the word and they begin to expound on it. And because you have been in the word, you say, uh-uh, that's not true. That person's been listening to too many tapes or or reading too many books, the wrong kind of books. They've been spending more time in books and tapes and videos than they have been in the book. Okay? When you know what's in the book, you'll know when someone is leading you down the garden path. The word is important, folks. And that's why I always tell you, you know, I get excited. I can say a lot of things. But check it out with the word. Make sure that you see that, okay, what, what Eastman said there, yeah, that's what the word says. And if it's there, we believe in taking the word literally. Wherever it's possible, we take it literally. And so we don't go around trying to say, now, I know that Jesus said this, but I believe what he meant to say is this. Steer away from that kind of theology. That's bad. That's bad medicine. Amen? So you can trust God. You can rely on God to keep his promise in every detail. Joshua 21, 43 and to 45 says this. So the Lord gave Israel all the land that he had sworn. Kept his promise. Amen? Verse 44. The Lord gave them rest on every side just as he had sworn. Again, he kept his promise. Verse 45, not one of the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. Amen? Amen. The Bible is a historical record of all the absolute reliability of God's promises. For all the promises of God are in him, yes and amen. He who who called you is faithful who will also do it. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised you is faithful. Amen? Amen. We also have a record of Abraham, a man of faith. He believed God, and because of his faith, God called him righteous. God called Abraham righteous because he was a believer. He left his home, his father's house, because God asked him to. He started out not knowing where he was going. All he knew that God was saying, I want you to get out from your father's home. I want you to go where a place where I will show you. Didn't know where that was going to be. God got him out in the middle of nowhere. He made him some promises. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. A great nation will flow from your loins. 
And, I, and I'm going to give you a homeland for them as well. Down through the years, God blessed Abraham financially beyond any other person in the whole world at that time. Just one part of the promise was still missing. How was he going to be a great nation? Him and Sarah had no children. And as they were getting older, they still believed God's promise, but they began to come to some conclusions. Well, maybe, maybe what God meant was that you would have them, you would have a family through our servants or something. So they made up this, this agreement with Hagar, Sarah's maid, that she would become a surrogate mother, that Abraham would father a child through her. And you know the story, Ishmael was born. But God said, uh-uh, that's not my promise, Abraham. Abraham ran ahead of God, you see. He figured he would help God out. You don't have to help God out. Now, the Bible does say faith without works is dead, but that's taking it too far. And so, God said, no, your seed is going to come from Isaac, not Ishmael. Sarah's going to have a child. You're going to name him Isaac. And through him, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Well, Romans chapter 4, 1921, Paul says about Abraham, He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. But he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Aren't you glad that God don't come down on you like a ton of brick when you make a mistake? He's got a son, Ishmael. And for a number of years, he was preparing this young man to be his heir. And then God says, no. That's not the one. So I'm going to conclude here. The Bible is a historical record of the absolute reliability of God's promises. Bible promises have always proven trustworthy so you can rely on them. Let me say it once more. You can rely on the promises of God. The, God, the promises of God don't depend on your ability. Don't depend on your resources. You could have had a fortune and lost it all. But if God has promised something great and something big in your life, even in the area of what you had and lost, let me tell you, you hold on to that promise because it's going to come true. Abraham by now was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. So, Effie, there's hope for us yet. <laughs> they themselves had zero ability to bear children. Couldn't be done. There was no doctor in the land or even today that would expect something like this. But the key was Abraham confessed that God had power to do what he had promised. 
What is your dream? What is your God-given dream? What has God placed in your heart? Has it been a number of years? Have you given up on it? Well, why don't you get back to God and begin to talk to Him about it? It's not too late. It's not not over until God says it's over, folks. Look at Job. Lost all of his family, all of his property. Everything was gone. His health was gone, and all of a sudden, God says, I want you to pray for your friends, those guys that have been prophesying all of this bad stuff. He prayed for them. God heals him. Now he goes out in the morning and looks up at the sky and takes a deep breath. He don't have a pain in his body anymore. Completely healed. No boils, no sores. It's all gone. I think I can take this away and let you guys... But you know something? He still don't have anything left. He's like a young man just starting day one. Like Effie and I, we got married on the budget plan. <laughs> That's a long time ago, but Eaton's catalog, they, would have, they, had, a, they had a thing there, you know, with... Uh, uh, you could buy on installments, like, you know, something like the like credit now, you know. But they called it the budget plan. So I ordered all of the stuff that we needed for the wedding on that. New suit of clothes, everything, you know. And uh, we got married on the budget plan. But, you know, a little bit later, I wasn't, neither one of us were serving the Lord at the time. But uh, we went to church one Sunday evening. Effie gave her heart to the Lord. We both stood up at the same time. She thought we were going to the altar, and I thought we were going to the door. <laughs> so she went to the altar and accepted Jesus as her Savior, and I went home. <laughs> and I was mad as a, as a bee. They got his hide, hive destroyed or something. And for three, three months, I kicked up my heels over that, and everything, and then I surrendered my life to God. We began doing the right thing. God blessed us. Amen? You know, here, here's Job. Don't have, don't have nothing. God increased his, he gave him back as many children as he lost. He had more cattle than he ever had before. More servants, all of his possessions restored because he believed God. He was a man of integrity. His wife said, curse God and die. He said, no, you're talking like a foolish woman now. We don't do that kind of stuff. We believe God. And if Job could do that, Job didn't have a record of all the Word of God that you and I have. Job didn't have all of the promises to rely upon that you and I have. If Job could believe God and see such a miracle take place in his life, don't you think that you, with all of the promises of God that are yes and amen, if you believe, don't you think that you could receive something from him today? Are you going to let the economy of Alberta get you down to a place where you start doubting God? Now is the time to begin to trust Him. Now is the time to step out in faith. Now is the time to say, I will believe God. I will trust in His promises because His promises are reliable. Now, if you have a need today, 
If you need something, if you need people to believe with you, I've got people here this morning that are ready to come and line this altar and say, I'm, I'm going to agree with you for that promise that you are seeking from the Lord. If you have a need in your life, maybe it's for salvation. Maybe you say, Pastor, I really need God in my life. Maybe you have walked away from God. Maybe you're one of those what we call prodigal sons or a prodigal daughter. And you need to get back with God. You need to come home. We'll pray with you and agree with you. And you will be set free today. Don't care what it is. If it's for healing for your body. If it's for your finances. If it's for a relationship. Your marriage relationship, marriage relationship with your children, a co-worker, doesn't matter what it is. God is it all covered, folks. It's all covered in the Word. So if you can believe today, we believe, I believe, and we will agree with you, and God will provide. Amen? Amen. Lord bless you. Folks, begin to sing it, and let's stand together. And if you want something from the Lord today, you come. That will be your act of faith by coming. And you will receive. Amen. Hallelujah. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.